You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. What I say this morning is not necessarily to be taken as the truth. Um, If you disagree with what I'm saying, come and chat to me afterwards, challenge me, disagree, um, and that way we can all learn and move on. Um, So the first thing that I want to say is that I think it's really important when we we talk about this that we start with a good balance. Um, And I'm not quite sure whether my slides are going to move. There we go. Right. Okay, so I've given you a nice little picture there of a a nice little ridge. Um, For those that need to know this kind of stuff, that is um, part of the Snowden Horseshoe. And those guys are taking part, uh, part in a very foolish race around Snowdonia and all down through Wales. Um, but I thought it was a very apt picture for what we're looking at this morning because when we talk about this, we can end up falling onto one side or the other. Okay? And on one side, we end up talking about getting into sort of manipulation, um, guilt, testing God, and also causing people financial problems. Um, and examples of things that, that you can hear when we, we go into that direction are things like, if you really believed, you would take a chance and give everything to God. Or, true Christians give 10% of their income regardless of circumstances. Or even, if you end up short after giving, then God will provide and fill in the gap. Um, all horrible things that you know, people say. And it, a lot of that is well-intentioned. And th- there is an element of truth in a lot of that. But um, I think we, we can end up sort of causing people problems. Um, you can even get into suggestions that the more you give, the more will God, God will bless you and you'll end up financially wealthy, the sort of so-called prosperity gospel kind of thing. But all this sort of stuff can end up leaving people feeling trapped um, between either giving more than they should, resulting in the sort of financial chaos and debt and that kind of stuff, or feeling inadequate as a Christian because they aren't giving what they seem, what they seem to be being told that they should be doing. Now, the problem is that our position here isn't a nice sort of seaside cliff where if you just stay away from one edge, um, you've got a nice flat land on the other side. There is a bit of a problem on the other side. It might not be quite as steep, and there's a kind of like, if you look in the background there, there's a nice little lake down in the bottom that all looks nice and comfortable. And that's really the, the other problem, is that if we don't challenge ourselves on this at all, then we end up getting into sort of other things. Um, we get into sort of managing our... Uh, assuaging our own greed, we get into sort of comfort and we get into self-reliance. I guess anybody that has ever tried to give something up for Lent or lose weight or whatever else will know full well that our human programming is very well equipped to make sure that we always grab just that little bit more than we need for ourselves and keep doing so even when it's not healthy for us. Um, Similarly, we can and think, well, okay, I need to manage all this stuff. I'm not going to rely on God. I need to sort of um, make sure that I've got everything I need um, there. So that's where that sort of self-comfort, self-reliance thing comes in. So what we need to do, really, is, is move away from those kind of sort of survival instincts, but avoid falling down the other side as well, okay? So what we're looking for is a, is a nice path through the middle. And fortunately, to find that, that path, we, we're not going to follow the, the hill example of using a map. We're going to look at the Bible and go from there. 
I think, actually, if you, if you look at, through the Bible as a whole, um, you end up picking up two very broad themes which actually mirror um, what we, as human beings, practice in, in normal life when we think about giving. Um, there are two sort of reasons often in life that we give. Um, one of them is in response to a need, and the other one is in response to a celebration. So quite often we will see... Um, a need, and that could be something as simple as our, our child comes home and says, look, Dad, I need a new pencil case for Monday because my old one is broken, and as a good parent, you go out and you get them a pencil case. Um, the other one is obviously the celebration thing, and we'll come back onto that a little bit later on. Uh, but there's things there like, you know, you, you get engaged and you go out and you, you buy a, an engagement ring. Now, when you go out and buy an engagement ring, you don't um, go out and you sort of like carefully buy the smallest and most economical engagement ring that you can, well, you probably, you, some people possibly do, but um, it's probably not a real sort of like true expression of where you're at. Um, so we'll come on to that a bit later on. So this sort of practical response to need, a lot said in the Bible about making offerings, uh, etc., um, and that's about given to the priest or in the, in the New Testament community to the church. Some of that's to support the organization of what we might call the church, the church um, but also it's enabled to things to be given out from the church. So um, yeah, the, if, the, if the priest or the minister or, or the, the paid workers or whatever else are freed up by the church because they're, they're being supported by the church, then they're able to do stuff rather than spending all their time earning a living. But it also means that people that the church is coming into contact with um, can be supported. So I'll give you a little Bible verse there, a useful reminder from 1 John 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions in truth. Um, There's another quote that I quite like. I think it's um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer that talks about um, people being converted more than one time. The first time is your, your heart, the second time being your wallet. Um, and there is a, a bit in that that actually quite often we can sense where we're really at by what we um, see as important and what we spend our money on. The trouble is, as a sort of human nature, we've kind of taken that principle and we end up, if we're not very careful, building a whole set of rules about that. Um, you know, we can get very legalistic about it and I think we want to go stay away from that if we can. Um, the other problem there, there that sometimes we, we can end up um, sort of looking at need, and it's very easy there to kind of look at things and, and be questioning why that need arises. So the sort of common statement, for example, people in, in poverty, well, if they didn't spend all their money on a big TV and whatever else, then, then they'd be better off. Um, and that comes from that same survival instinct of wanting to try and kind of like keep, up, keep for ourselves because we, we're, we're trying to justify why we're not giving. Well, they're wasting it anyway, so we don't need to do that. So what we really wanted to try and do is, is align our hearts with, with the God that we love, that we know is deeply concerned about people in need and in poverty. And if we align ourselves in that way, then, then those responses will come in the right direction. And that's one of the things which has driven this, us as a church, to sort of move towards the sort of oasis community. Um, 
we've for a long time we've been talking about the needs around the church and in, in our city and in our community that we wanted to respond to and that's part of the way of um, doing that Got what slides yeah so so some of those things on there I've, I've nicked this slide from Joe's presentation the other week but it's um, stuff that we're thinking about doing and obviously you know one of the things that we, as, a, as a church if we're going to start looking at some of these things we do need to be able to to fund doing that so there's no way of getting away from that um, so we do need to, to do that um, while I'm saying that I want to sort of just divert very slightly um, we're talking about giving at this, this point because we're in this topic of money and it fits in there very naturally. Um, but what I want to be very careful of is that giving isn't just about money. Um, each of us has some money, but we also have talents, we have time, we have energy. And it may be that we have more energy than we have money, or maybe that we have more time than we have money, or it may be that we, you know, we don't have time, we have money um, available. And I think when we're responding to need or when we're uh, coming on in a minute to talk about celebrating, um, all of that can be responded to from amongst those, those gifts that we have. And it's about sharing that with God and using those things. So I'm very conscious that I don't want this to be kind of people to go away from here and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm struggling as it is to, to make ends meet. How can I contribute anything? So wherever I'm talking about giving this morning, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to a degree about money, that's my kind of like the way I'm wired, but please read that as time, as gifts, as talent, as skills, and whatever else, because I think that's equally important. And sometimes actually, you know, someone who's got that skill that they can give can actually be worth um, a lot more than um, a few pounds. So, moving on from there, um, the other one that I wanted to look at this morning, uh, which I'll take a little bit more time over um, while we're talking about that, is this, this issue of celebration. And as I said, quite often in life, we, we give as a result of celebration. So, we have Christmas, we, you know, we all go out, we, we, we don't sit there and think, well, you know, we, we're going to have this celebration, let's get smallest presents we can get away with um, and we don't get calculating about that we don't kind of like well if I give them that then I'll get something better in return or anything like that generally I know there, there does get a bit of kind of you know I've got to get something for Auntie Maud type stuff going on but actually in general when you're thinking about the people that you really love in your life you know, your partner your children or whatever else actually the tendency is to to more towards being extravagant than, than the other thing. And I think that's really what we're looking at here, is our response to God, who you know, we love, has been given great things to us, and so we're responding to that. Well, I'm going to move on, on here, and we're going to look at a passage in uh, Genesis. Um, this is Genesis 14. And for those who aren't back clued up on this particular passage, what's happened here is that... Um, Abraham, uh, sorry, Abraham, he, as he was at that point, has just rescued his uh, cousin Lot, who'd been captured by a bunch of um, kings. I don't know quite how this came about. There was also, also, if you read the passage before, there's all this bunch of guys over here and this bunch over here. Um, they all come together and, and 
there's this battle comes out and anyway, as, as part of that, Lot and all the family are carried off with all their possessions. And um, Abraham, has, Abraham has just managed to get all of that back. Okay? And so Melchizedek, the high priest, comes out and this is the blessing that he, he, he uh, prays over Abraham. Um, Blessed be Abraham by Lord Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High who delivered enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. There's a couple of interesting things in this. Um, Firstly, it nicely allows me to deal with what's called the tithing rule, which sometimes gets trotted out in churches. What you'll notice there is that nobody including the priest, comes up to Abraham and says, hey, look, mate, you've just got all this stuff. Come on, hand over the 10%. That's what the rule is. Get on with it. No, this is a spontaneous celebration, an instinctive response to the fact that God has been with him in this battle and has enabled him to be successful. Um, Of course, as is the way with humans, we've, someone somewhere has read that and has created a rule, and before long we not only had one tithe, we had three tithes and all sorts of other bits and pieces that are tacked on the end of it, and if we're not careful, um, we can there. So I think there is still um, practical stuff we can take from that, though. I don't think there's anything particular, particularly mystical about this tenth thing, and I'll give you a little humorous take on that in a minute, but um, I think it's a good balance in Abraham's position between a token gift, you know, if he just handed over a couple of sheep and stuff, then, you know, I can imagine that actually what's come back here is a, is a vast amount of stuff. Or if he'd taken the attitude, well, you know, what I've got back is actually all we had in the first place, and that we were just about getting by at that point, so we can't really be too generous, um, you know, a couple of sheep will do. Now, he's, he's given a sizable chunk of what he's, what he's got, um, but at the same token, he's, re- he's kind of recognized that, you know, this is what they're going to be living on. So I think it's something to, to bear in mind that when we're, when we're giving that, you know, we, we want to be significant and whatever else, but let's not get legalistic about it. Um, why a tenth? I just think you've got ten fingers. And I think in practical terms, you know, he was there and it was like very easy for him to say to the guys who were with him, right, go and count out the sheep. Every time you get to your left thumb, put one in that pen and that's for the priest. I don't know. But anyway, I don't think there's anything particularly mystical about it and there's no sort of sense anywhere else in the Bible. I don't think that um, we end up in that direction. But anyway, we'll move on quickly from that bit. What we do need to take from it, though, is that Abraham had a real handle on God's impact, that God had delivered this success to him, and at a moment where he could have said, look, phew, we've got the stuff back, let's just get on with it, his first response was to celebrate in generosity. Okay, and so move on a bit. Um, In 1 Chronicles 29 here, we're going to have another look at another bit. And again, the background here, just to to clue you in on this, um, this is the point where the people of um, God are starting to think about building the temple. And so renew, reinforce um, the presence of God in their midst. And so we've got this passage, and it is a bit long, but I'm going to read the whole thing for you. 
um, because I think it's worth doing. Um, perhaps, Ben, if you can flick through as I go through, because I won't concentrate on that. That would be really great. Then David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood. As well as onyx for all the settings, turquoise, a stone of various colours, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above, I, everything I've provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the wall of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite, the people rejoiced willingly at the response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Then we have David's prayer. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in the kingdom, in heaven and earth, is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. We are exalted as head, you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And I think that's a passage which has um, some good things for us to take away and reflect on. Firstly, as leaders, uh, David is giving a, a clear example, and maybe that's something for the leaders here, myself included. Um, now, I'm not advocating people, people going around boasting of what they've given, which clearly con conflicts with other teachings in the Bible about um, giving in secret and whatever else. But the crux really here is that the people of God have a clear target in mind. They've, they've got this opportunity to build the temple uh, from a time when they've been all over the place and not had that opportunity. They're really committed to what they're doing. They believe in what is happening and they're hugely happy to see God's presence being revived in their midst and in celebration and joy are committing themselves wholeheartedly to what God is inspiring. I wonder if there are echoes there of us as we move from period of frustration into rebuilding God's presence here as we um, move into this new season with Oasis. Are we as excited about this coming renewal and revival? Are we excited enough to be raiding our treasures to see this come about? And then at the end of there, David hits quite a significant point for me. In one verse, in that verse 14 at the end, um, he hits two truths. 
Firstly, that God is allowing his, his people to partner in the work with him. And secondly, that recognition that what they're giving to God comes from God in the first place. I don't think we should underestimate either of those as we think about this. I'm going to take the second of those first. Um, when I was growing up, I was um, part of St. Michael's Church, which is just down the road. And one of the things I vividly remember um, from there, which probably says something strange about me, but there we go, um, is that when, when, as a child, the offering was taken up to the front, there was, there was this prayer that was used all the time. And it, I can't remember the whole of it, but there was a, a line in it which said, of your own, O God, have we given you. Um, now, that in itself is a useful reminder because it reminds us that what we have comes from God in the first place, that our ability to give comes from God's blessing. But I think it also hints at something else. If we take David's words there and we sort of alter them around a little bit, we get a, a slightly different version. Everything comes from you, and we've kept the rest of what comes from your hand. I think that creates a responsibility for us to consider as carefully what we're doing with what we keep as what, we, as what we're giving. Maybe that's a topic for another, another day, but it does feed into what we were talking about earlier in the month about sort of careful financial management and also the sort of ethical spending choices, stuff that we've talked about. If we're in, the, in that shop on that moment of that impulse buy, we stopped and we thought, this is God's money I'm about to spend on this. Would we still go ahead? And what would we do with it if we didn't? There you go. But I think the other, the other point there that's made is, is equally important. It's the amazing and beautiful truth that God allows us to partner with us. Um, oh, that one, sorry, I've forgotten that slide. Um, he's not like the sort of impatient parent that I sometimes am when my kids come to me and they've broken it and it's kind of like, oh, for goodness sake, just give it here, I'll fix it, you'll just muck it up. Go and stand over there and, you know, so he's not doing that. We don't get our messes fixed with us sort of standing there like this sort of like humiliated child in, a, in the corner. He is the parent of it, like in that picture, who's standing alongside us, showing us how to, how to do things and enabling us to get involved and get messy and be a, a real channel for what's there. You know I, know, I know for myself there have been times in my life where I've seen people doing amazing stuff in, in other places and actually it's been my privilege to be able to just partner in that in a very small way and, and, and contribute. Um, and I, in that way just feel that you know I'm not the one outside on the fence or just you know, visiting every so often or whatever else but just for a small time or a small way partner in that work. And so some of those themes are, are, are picked up in the last passage I'm going to look at this morning, um, which is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, I'm going to skirt around a little bit of what's going on at the start of that chapter and the previous one, because there's, there's almost a bit of sort of competitive giving going on there between the sort of church in Macedonia and the church in Corinth. And I'm not sure there isn't a little bit of mind games going on there with um, Paul sort of almost sort of doing a bit of reverse psychology, saying that, you know, I'm sure you have done what you're supposed to be doing in terms of getting everything ready for me to come, and it would be really embarrassing if you hadn't. So just kind of, I'm warning you before I come through. But I'm just going to pick this up at, at verse 6, which is after that. And it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have um, 
wrong page. Decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And it is written, as it is written, they have scattered, freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. In their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the end part of this echoes this idea of the joy of partnering with God in the work that he's calling us to do. At this point, Paul himself is off in Macedonia, so the people in Corinth might be forgiven for feeling, well, you know, we're here slogging away. He's off having all the fun in Macedonia, seeing all the results of, of mission. Um, but actually, what he's reminding them is through their giving, they're as much there with him um, as part of that. And so I think that's something that's important for us to remember as we go forward. You know, we might not be there in the kitchen cooking meals or for make lunch or you know, handing out the shoes or whatever else that we're doing, but it's a team effort that we're in, all involved with. You know, someone somewhere has got to be doing the health and safety checks. Someone somewhere has got to be filling in the insurance forms. Someone has got to be providing the money to buy the food to cook and hand out. Um, so all of those things are allowing us to work hand in hand with God's work. And then the beginning of that passage provides us with a way of rounding this whole thing off. As I've already said, we need to sort of be a little bit careful that we're not drawing strange conclusions about giving and resulting in direct financial enrichment. I think the film clip Joe showed at the beginning that was a really great example of that. You know, that, that guy wasn't, was actually, you know, ending up pretty out of pocket by the end of all of that. You know, his food going to the dog every day and, and whatever else. Um, they got nothing, nothing tangible out of it, but there was that huge sense of joy and purpose and fulfilment from that. So I think that's really what, more what this sort of verse is, is looking at. But I think there's also sort of in that first part of that, there's, a, there's almost a kind of a sort of checklist as to what we can think about as we go through. You know, what are the poor, for example, that we're scattering our gifts freely among? That may direct where we give be that to the church or other organisations that God places on our heart. Now, obviously, as a church, we're looking to um, move out and do some of these things directly. But one of the, a wise old friend of mine once said to me that God will, will talk to each of us individually and there will be things that, as a community, we're, we're all together on and there will be things that, individually, God draws to, to just us and that will be something that we feel that we want to support. Have we decided, for example, in our hearts what we should give? And that may, um, at the beginning of that verse, we're talking about you know, deciding what we give. Um, having a sort of sense of order is a good thing. Um, if we just wait to be spontaneous all the time, then we're not gonna, it's not going to work because there will be times in our life when things get chaotic and 
getting the checkbook out and whatever else can get squeezed out. So it's good to be ordered. Um, and are we giving cheerfully? Now, one of the things we were, when we were talking beforehand, I was very conscious of is that we're not all always in this great place of feeling that God's great to us, that our lives are going great, that we're celebrating and you know, we can be amazingly happy about everything. Um, and that's probably where the kind of making a decision about what we give and being all good and ordered and doing your standing orders and whatever else kind of like tides you over that, that period. Um, but maybe occasionally it would be good to just stop and think you know, of all the things that God has blessed us with and do that first before we think about what we're thinking about giving. Celebrate what God's blessed us with. Celebrate what he's allowed us to partner in and in that state, um, think about where we're giving. You know, f- for us here, it's worth celebrating that God has enabled us to work together as a community to get this building back into a state where it is safe enough to allow people into. Um, it hasn't got dangerous bits of wire holding up lights down in the foyer and things like that. Um, you know, a bit like those people we were talking about in um, in time of. King David, we've been through some challenging times, but we're the ones who have this amazing chance to see things move forward, new life to emerge here, and it's from that basis that we consider what of his we keep for our needs and what we give away. So I think that's probably getting on for enough from me. Um, What I wanted to do really this morning, is to just finish off um, with something which I think, because I think there's someone else who is probably far better equipped to come and talk personally about the kind of excitement and the joy and the, you know, just the overwhelming exuberance of, of what what is going on here. And so I'm going to ask Joe just to come and share a few things that um, fit into that and we'll move on from Cool. Um, no pressure. Ex- exuberant. What was it? <laughs> Excitement. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, thank you, Dave. That was really helpful. I, th- I think um, there's probably two things. The first thing is this this sense of kind of giving out of celebration, and um, I've you know alluded to it a couple of times when just mentioning this topic and things before that. I've been part of churches where it's been like you know lots of pressure to give, and also that you know you're going to get blessed when you give, and you know if you the more you give to God, the more you'll get back, and um, and I think just this morning's clicked in my head really that actually we've sort of that essentially that principle is is correct, but it's not about financial reward. It's kind of around legacy. So the guy in the video um, that we watched at the start of the service, it's kind of about you know he's able to look around and see actually that plant's alive because I moved it there, or that kid's now going to school because I gave that money. And I just think what an amazing position for us, you know, to look in our in our city in five, ten years' time. And some of you can do that already, looking around at the things that you've given to and invested in, and that essentially you know that's the legacy that we'll be able to leave. That, that the work we'll do, the people we meet, the projects that we run, we'll see people's lives changed. And that I mean. How amazing is that? And I kind of want to give out of that place. 
And I guess for me personally, lots of you know sort of bits of my story that um, before I came to work as, as hub leader here, I was kind of in a job really that I uh, wasn't me, uh, but I'd kind of been forced into it because um, of my sexuality. So since sort of marrying Sarah, um, there's not many churches that will let you <laughs> do what you guys are letting me do. And it does just feel like, and I'll get emotional if I talk about it too much, but I feel like I've got my life back and, and you guys have done that. And that's, um, you know, that in a way... Everything I do, I try and um, I live out of that place at the moment. You know, even when there's mushrooms growing out of the ground floor downstairs and <laughs> something else breaks <laughs> in my hand. Although we're fixing that stuff now. But um, even in the tough moments, I go back to this place of like, I can't believe that I get to do this. God is amazing. And I'm so thrilled and excited about where we're going to go and the, just the potential that we have with this building but way beyond that with the people that we've got we, we just have so many brilliant people and I'm looking at all of you uh, because you all inspire me you all amaze me the fact that you've gone on this journey so far and we are where we are now um, and I know that there's been tough times and I know that you know right now you know some of you are struggling with church and the way things are and I know that and it's not about you know think about how wonderful everything is and give out of that place it's not because I know that's not always where people are. But I think it's, um, it's trying to understand what you've received from this community. And, and maybe I know um, some that's, that's a while ago or it's hard to remember that. But for me, I want to give out of that place of like, I've got my life back and we get to give other people their lives back and we get to help people and put a legacy in this city that is going to last for all eternity. Like, oh, that's the place to, to give from. And then what we receive from that is looking around and watching the people that we've, that we've helped, the, the, you know, the city that is left differently because of us being here. Um, so I guess that's the sort of sense of, of giving out of that place and to encourage you to try and find for you what that, that place is. Um, but also there's the practical reality of uh, we want to do all this stuff. And I've talked about what, you know, the things are that we do want to do. Uh, we've got to pay for that. You know, um, you pay me a salary, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> um, we pay our administrator a salary and we do have to find the ongoing costs for this building. And we're looking at lots of other ways to finance the things that we do. So um, there are loads of grants and trusts that I know we're going to be able to access, we're going to be eligible for. But I need time to build those bids together. Um, one of the things I'm going to be doing over the excuse me, next couple of months is putting together a, a sort of three to five year business plan uh, which will set out clearly how I plan to make us sustainable in terms of finance. You know, all of that stuff is coming, but it's going to take me a while. And obviously there are things that I've got to do alongside that. So the more we can build our regular sustainable income, um, the freer that we're going to be to deliver some of that community stuff that we want to do. So uh, the kind of blunt, simple, plain truth is we want if we want to do it, we've got to pay for it. And it's time to put our money where our mouth is in the sense of we've voted uh, to become part of Oasis. We've said this is the direction that we want to move in. And now we need to try and find what we can to, to pay for some of the more core costs or the sustainable, um, yeah, those ongoing things. So um, you might be in a position where you can't give financially right now and we would never advocate um, you know, giving money where that's going to put you in a really difficult position. And that's why we've tried to cover different things. So Stephen looked about maybe if you are in a, a position at the moment where you're really struggling financially and that you need some help with that, that we want this to be a place where you can get that help. Uh, but also for those of us um, that aren't in that position that do have money to give, um, we do want to challenge people to think about what they might be able to offer. And then obviously there's what Dave's mentioned as well, the sort of time 
um, as well. So, you know, volunteering. And I'm not just talking about Sunday teams as much as they're important. They're a tiny, Sunday's a tiny part, of, a very, very tiny part of what we do. Um, but I'm talking about the, the wider things that we might do in the city and those opportunities will, will sort of come more and more as we as we grow. Um, so I guess to finish really, just to remind people, I guess, I guess the, the, the practical side. So the three sort of things we're asking people to consider. So the first is that if you don't give regularly to the church at the moment, we're asking you to consider doing that. So I've talked about the, the join us forms that are at the back. Um, you can fill one of those out and set up a standing order. Now, the reason that regular giving is so much better is because it helps us budget properly and sensibly and professionally for what we're able to do. So, you know, one-off gifts are fantastic, and I'll get to that in a minute. But if we can budget and we know what's coming in, we're then able to be much more realistic about what we can do. So regular giving is brilliant. And it's also unrestricted. So it means that we don't have to spend it on a certain thing. So we can spend it on the more boring things that we need to spend it on, like insurance, salaries, things we're never going to be able to find grants and trust to cover. The second thing that we're asking people to do, um, oh, actually related to the first. Um, so if you don't already give, we're asking you to consider giving. If you do already give, we're asking you to consider increasing that amount if you can. So I know sometimes I've started giving to charities and then it, it goes out my bank account and I don't really think about it. But your circumstances might change over time. So we're just asking people to sort of review it, have that conversation um, with those around you, with, as in family and people that, that help you make those decisions. Can you increase that, that amount? The second thing is about one-off gifts. So we've spent, I think, probably about £20,000 in the last six months trying to make sure that we don't have to close the building. That sounds dramatic, but that is what we've had to do. So there's been um, a huge backlog of jobs which haven't been done on the building because that was partly because we were waiting to sort of see the direction that we were going in. We know now we're part of Oasis. That's what we're doing. So we've um, used some of the reserves that we have as a church to um, you know, pay for some of those works to be done. So uh, that's great, and that buys us more time, and we're looking at a longer-term refurbishment of the building, but there's still some things that we'd like to do. So there's no hot water currently in the ground floor, um, so you can't wash your hands with warm water in the ladies' toilet, for example. All the um, groups that hire the ground floor, um, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, a couple of other groups as well, don't have any hot water, and that I hate that. It's, it's like grates on me. I would love to be able to do that, and at the moment we're looking at a cost of uh, between 15 £102,000 to replace the water heater to make that work. We'd like to be able to do that, but we're reaching the limit of what we're able to do to be sure that we've got enough reserves um, to last us at least a year, two years while we build up our sustainable income. So if there's a one-off gift that you can give that would help us just get some of those things done, um, that would be amazing. And then finally, what I've said about kind of giving your time, your your gift, your you know, what can you kind of bring to the church? Uh, how can you volunteer? That's great. Um, you know, think about that as well. But also, how can you perhaps generate income for Oasis? So, uh, can you run the bath half next year? Could you organise a fundraising event? Um, there's loads of different ways. Um, we're trying to get set up on Facebook at the moment as a sort of a, a, a non-profit. So, when it's your birthday, you can say, I'd like people to give money to Oasis. Um, these sorts of things, you know, what can you do that might help generate some income for us as well? Because now, you know, we're not just a church that meet on a Sunday. We're a charity. And, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that we want to do and a bunch of stuff that we do already. Um, so, we need to get into that mindset of, you know, we're all responsible. We all need to try and generate income as well as give it ourselves. So those are the, the sort of three things practically. And uh, those forms, like I said, can be filled and handed in at the box at the back. And we'll be collecting those today and over the next two weeks. Now, I sort of want to add as well, if you, you may be like, I've just turned up this Sunday. Or, <laughs> um, you know, this is, 
there's no there's not a pressure and I know I've just gone on about it and we've talked about it for a month so you're like well there is a bit of pressure and yeah there is because we've got to find that money and I just want to be really honest about that we do want you to give <laughs> because uh, if if we don't raise our income we're looking at um, sort of running out of money potentially sort of within a year to two years and like I said there's other things I'm looking at it's not all on us uh, but the more we can we can help in, in that way the better so um, like I said if finance is a problem for you come and talk to us we want to help don't feel under pressure in that way but if you can give please do it will make a massive difference and let's you know and I think what's written on the front of that is join us and that's that's how I'd end you know uh, we get to partner with God and I feel like that's God's invitation today is like join in join us you know be part of this you know um, the legacy that we can leave in this city is is so exciting um, and it will be great to see that unfold over the next few weeks and months. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.